This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. Oddly, listeners, I have a studio full of M1s this week. And this is unusual because while typically a lot of M1s express strong interest in doing things that aren't studying. When the med student rubber hits the med school road, they disappear. (laughs) And we don't see them again until the second semester of M2 year. (laughs) Sometimes. But uh, when I met you guys a few weeks ago during our student activities fair, I sensed something about this year's new students that made me hopeful. Cool. We'll Well, see if you deserve my hope. <laughs> Listeners, join me in welcoming uh, Kyle Lubka. Did I do that right? You did it perfectly. Damn. <laughs> Good of job. Dubuque, Iowa. This is correct. Uh, Gabriel Conley of, Hello. Ch- of Cherokee, Iowa. Yep, that's Northwest Iowa. Eric Schneiders. 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 Oh. It's a weird last name. Damn it. <laughs> of Manchester, Iowa. Yep. And Joyce Waba. Yep. Of Cupertino, California. Uh, guys, thank you for joining me on the show. Um, I'm excited uh, because it means that, I mean, first of all, hopefully you will join me for another show someday. <laughs> I'm already having a blast. And so. don't, you know, don't be, I, I've said this on the show many times, Don't, and I probably have said this to you already in passing, you know, don't just study, find other things to do in med school, otherwise you will go crazy and be boring. Very yeah. solid. Yep. It's my advice. Anyway, since I've got here you here guys, and since it's interview season, I want to talk about your experiences before medical school and on the interview trail. Um, anyone here? Uh, uh, so let's start out here. Anyone here a non-traditional student or a student who, in the biz, we called we call underrepresented in medicine? Yeah. Yep. I would call myself non-traditional. Yeah. Yeah. And and what were you gonna? Oh, I was going to say I'm probably underrepresented. Okay. All right. Sounds weird to say. (laughs) Yes, you're (laughs) underrepresented. It's such a weird phrase. I mean, you know, it's one of those phrases like we know what we mean, Mm -hmm. but it basically means that you're not a traditional student in that you are, you're you're not a white person. You're not a white male. I think that's what that generally means. Sorry, guys. That's all right. (laughs) Whoops. There's a lot of white dudes in medicine. That's very true. Um... And you are non-traditional, Gabe, in the sense that you... I took a year off. I graduated in 16, 2016, mm-hmm. and I worked at a biotech company here in Iowa. It's called Integrated DNA Technologies. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. <laughs> no, not a sponsor. Uh, <laughs> wisely. Not wisely yet. so. <laughs> um, so, okay. So you worked in a, in, a, in a lab? Well, actually, that's the thing. I was an uh, economics major, so I think that makes me sort of non-traditional, too. Oh, but, okay. You know, so I actually worked more like customer facing side of IDT. Mm-hmm. And so most, you know, a lot of people work in labs, they make DNA, but I was working with customers mostly okay. for a year. 
it sounds a lot like you know when I worked at MTV Networks a long time ago, and people were like so impressed with that. But really, I was just a you know in oh exactly in house temporary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I said Same MTV Networks, me. people were like, "Oh, are you a VJ?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, Joyce, did you? I think you had a gap as well. Yeah, so I actually finished back in December, and then during my kind of gap year, gap half year, I worked at a biotech startup. What did you, what did the rest of you major in? I majored in human biology, and I minored in history. Oh. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I was a biochem major, biochemistry, and then I have a minor in biology, but it's basically <laughs> the same thing as biochemistry. <laughs> so you cheated. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Took one extra class, got that minor. That, that's, right. that's exactly what <laughs> I did, what and did. it was a nice little line to have yeah. on my diploma. Totally <laughs> fair. <laughs> totally, totally fair. What you? What kind of history did you major in? Ancient history. So I did a lot with like ancient Greece and ancient Rome. Mm-hmm. And with the Vikings, too, it was probably my favorite. Uh, Sweet. Yeah. It's the only history class I remember from college. Yeah. It's a long time ago. Also, <laughs> I wasn't right. paying attention. Do you, do you watch that show on History Channel about I have, the Vikings? Uh, no, I have not. Oh, okay. I usually, if I watch TV, it's The Office. So. Oh, good oh. choice. Yeah. yeah. Way to represent your minor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing it strong. Do you guys apply to a bunch of different schools? Yup. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right so how many choice <laughs> way too many yeah. uh probably applied to about 35 total uh california's a little different yeah from Ca- a lot of places california kind of wants to kick us out a little bit um <laughs> so a lot of schools will actually have in-state preference but california is like wow we have a million and five pre-meds so sorry but we don't actually need you Oh, sense. That's, that's brutal. Yeah, that's <laughs> sad. Yeah, and there's just a lot of pre-meds for exactly 10 MD programs. Yes, I did apply to all 10. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, but yeah, I was happy to have you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, what about you guys? Did you guys uh, apply to multiple schools? Or did you just, were you just like, oh, I'm going to apply to one school and I'm totally going to get <laughs> the heck in there? Being from Iowa, I'll be honest, uh, Iowa was definitely where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And Iowa does prefer in-state students. So I knew that going in. I probably didn't need to apply to a ton of schools because of my best my best statistical chances were at Iowa because of the in-state thing. And also, I just wanted to go to Iowa. So I applied to like seven or eight schools. Yeah, yeah my goal was to stay in the Midwest. Um, so I applied to like schools in Chicago, of course, the University of Iowa, um, Creighton. My girlfriend is actually from Oregon, so I did take a risk and like apply it out to Oregon Health Sciences University, mm-hmm. and they take pretty much all their students from Oregon. Okay. Um, and I have like no background with the state other than the fact that well, my girlfriend lives there. But I was also, um, I wouldn't say I was lazy, but I kind of got into the game a little bit later. Like I submitted my primary in September, oh, wow. which Whoa. is kind of unheard of Dang. from what That's I've heard late. talking to everybody else. <laughs> um, so. I kind of knew going in that I probably wasn't going to hear back from a few. Like I applied to seven schools, and I knew that I probably wouldn't hear back from all of them just because I was a little late in the game there. Were you late for a reason? Or yeah, just- yeah. Um, so I knew I wanted to apply to medical school, um, but I worked at this summer camp for special needs kids and adults here in Iowa, and we were pulling like 80-hour weeks roughly. So I would try to sit down at like 10 p.m. at night to write up my personal statement <laughs> all that, and it just... It just never got didn't, done. Didn't so <laughs> I do all my best work when I'm sleep deprived and yeah. <laughs> stressed out. Uh, what about you, Kyle? I applied to eight schools. Uh, 
hindsight's 2020. I probably should have only applied to Iowa because it was really <laughs> the only school I wanted to go to. Uh, I spent uh, four years in Wisconsin and uh, was ready to come home to Iowa. Mm-hmm. Okay. Were, were you looking for specific things uh, when you were applying to schools or were you just like, I'm going to apply to the ones I know I can get into? What, were, what, were you, what, was your, what were you looking for? Um, I had a strong regional bias. It's like I figured if I can't get into Iowa, hopefully I can be close to Iowa mm-hmm. and I can be close to family. Yeah. And uh, well, luckily it worked out. But yeah, that was all I was looking for was regional. Okay. Same here. I uh, Very regional. I think the farthest place I applied from Iowa was probably St. Louis, honestly. It was very <laughs> not too, <laughs> not too far. Um, and as, in terms of what I was looking for, I actually went to undergrad here at Iowa. So I knew pretty well what the program was like here and I loved just about everything that I saw in terms of you know the people that are here in terms of just being really helpful didn't seem like a very competitive environment seemed really friendly so okay just good vibes so I definitely had a different experience with all that coming from California Iowa wasn't really on my original list of 35 schools (laughs) (laughs) why not I'm sorry Carver College um why not because I honestly we when have never heard that before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when there's like 230 MD programs and you're applying to 35, you have to kind of cut some out. Mm-hmm. And I had never been to the Midwest. My first time stepping into the Midwest was for my interview in Iowa. In what month? In the end of October. Oh, okay. oh it wasn't so too bad. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I just remember going in on my flight and it was a tiny little plane. I've never been on a plane that small. And the girl sitting next to me was like, oh, my God, it's your first time in the Midwest. Maybe you'll get to see them harvesting corn. I was like, oh, God, (laughs) is that that the sight to see? Like, oh, gosh. Um, But she was really nice. And like from day from day negative one or whatever, everyone was super nice. They're all really nice. Yeah. You got to be careful of those. people. (laughs) They'll have you in a cornfield in no time. (laughs) It's very suspicious. Yeah, yeah. No, but... As you said, Iowa wasn't on your radar. Yeah. What what brought us to your attention? Right. Okay. What made us worthy? Yes. <laughs> like, um, I'm from California. Yeah. God. <laughs> so, basically, I finished all my primaries and secondaries by middle of July. And at the end of July, Iowa sent me an email and they're like, hey, we noticed you're MCAT and that you're not white and you should apply to our school. <laughs> and so- We noticed that you are not white. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so at that point, I was already broke from applying to 35 schools. And so I told them, I was like, okay, I have no money, but I mean, if you give me a fee waiver, I'm down to apply. And so they asked for my tax returns. I was like, yeah, look at them. I'm broke. Believe me. <laughs> Wasn't lying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So look at all of them. Um, and they had a really quick turnaround. The staff was super responsive out of all the schools I applied to. They were by far the most responsive. They gave me an interview right away. They they paid for a travel stipend for me to get all the way out there. They gave me a student host for a couple days. Like they went above and beyond to make sure that I would actually come to the interview, and enjoy the interview day, mm-hmm. which was really nice. Um, just because all the other interviews that I went to, they weren't as nice in terms of giving me money and places to stay. So (laughs) (laughs) maybe I was getting spoiled because it was one of my earlier interviews. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I gave them enough money, right? Yeah. We, yeah. You turn, we, I don't, I don't know that we got any of the money that you're charged. I don't know how that works. I, I suspect that a chunk of it doesn't come, a big chunk of it doesn't come to the actual college I don't really I, mm-hmm. but I don't know how. just goes into the abyss. it goes into some mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly um, 
All right. Well, I'm glad we could sucker you into uh, <laughs> into uh, thinking about thinking about Iowa. Now you're kind of stuck here. Yeah, in the next four years. Now. Yeah, Californians know nothing about Iowa. I'm going to be honest. Like every time I tell my friends, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to med school in Iowa. They're like, oh, enjoy the potatoes. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's <laughs> yeah, Idaho. Idaho. No, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and they're like, Hogs oh. and corn, people. <laughs> uh, I'm not from Iowa. I don't know if you guys know this. I'm not from Iowa. I'm, oh. from, I'm from Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, just came out here 15 or 16 years ago. So uh, this is, yeah, definitely flyover country for me, too. So, um, uh, guys, you, I'm puzzled, though. None of you have said, oh, well, I was really interested in this program or I really wanted to be involved in research and Iowa does things in research. You guys are all saying basically like, oh, you know, it was nearby <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they gave me some money. Right. Well, I will say um, I applied as an MD, MBA student because um, I'm just, I am interested in sort of the business aspect of healthcare and the MBA program here at Iowa is really good. There's a dual degree MD, MBA. A lot of schools don't have that. So I guess I was interested in that program as well, but wasn't okay. So it wasn't completely. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You know. All right. What about you guys? You guys are just there. There was there really was nothing. It was just like, oh, you guys are here. There's the opportunity. Like we have a fantastic eye research institute. I think it's uh-huh. the Wind Center yeah. for mm-hmm. research. Yeah. It's like maybe if ophthalmology becomes my top interest, that'll work out great. <laughs> uh, I have no idea. I know this. It's, some of this stuff is like feels so far distant. Yeah. Big time. You know, it's like, oh, well, I'm interested in eyeballs. Don't yeah. Know, don't know if I'm going to be able to do eyeballs. <laughs> they let me see. The <laughs> they, let, <laughs> they let other people see. Maybe I could help people see. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I applied mainly because I really enjoy Iowans. It's just a stereotypical thing for us to enjoy each other. But then uh, the University of Iowa serves such a large, diverse patient population because we're like the hospital for like an area of thousands of square miles mm-hmm. so you're gonna see hopefully i'll get to see when i get to the hospital like so much cool clinical settings because people have to drive you know three four hours just to get the kind of care that iowa offers okay. which that's, is that's actually well. something i was kind of worried about coming here just uh-huh. because from california california is super diverse and i applied to like uh schools in new orleans on the east coast and so i knew their patient population was also going to be super diverse yeah so far i've been pleasantly surprised um, I know on Sunday I'm going to go volunteer at the mobile clinic and we're working with a Sudanese population. So I yep. didn't know that my right. Arabic would come in handy in the middle of Iowa. So oh, that's cool. pretty exciting. That is. Wow. Yeah. Iowa has. Yeah. Those Iowa has a pretty, pretty fair sized immigrant uh, community. Mm-hmm. Mm, uh, a lot of migrant workers, for instance, or, uh, you know, people who just mm-hmm. have, you know, come into the country and somehow they end up in Iowa. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good. Um, so during your interviews, what kinds of questions, and I'm not talking about just here in Iowa, what kind of questions did you ask your interviewers? Because, you know, the, the, the old, the, the advice that you often get is, you know, have questions to ask Mm -hmm. because that shows interest, et cetera. What kinds of questions did you come up with questions or did you just look at a list of possible questions? You know, what were you, what were you looking for? Yeah. My game plan was to, so I only had like three interviews total, but, um, for each one I would research the school, looked for things that looked somewhat interesting to me and then kind of go from there, ask the right people, 
you know, you wouldn't want to ask someone at the door about something that's, you know, a curriculum specific thing to a specific program, but, you know, ask maybe someone who's interviewing you something specific to their field. I Mm -hmm. think it's important question wise to ask personal questions to the interviewers because that will resonate well with them. Like what kind of deodorant they use. (laughs) (laughs) Well, more like, you know, interesting things that sort of push them along to whatever specialty they're in, Mm -hmm. um, whatever, you know, for, you know, what you can ask someone why they ended up at that school, Mm -hmm. what, you know, has kept them there. Yeah. That's so true. I, I had an interviewer that was an MD PhD in psychiatry and, uh, she was just blown away that I was a first generation college student. So she had a conversation for like five minutes of the interview about the differences between, you know, coming from a, from an academic background and coming from a, um, a non-academic background. So it was really interesting to hear her side of it and how she got into medicine. Um, I don't think it helped me at all get in, but it was really interesting. So Yeah, kind of along those same lines, I think establishing a connection with your interviewer right mm-hmm. from the start mm-hmm. is like an easy in. That's and so one way to potentially do that that I kind of, I don't know, I guess was my like trick of the interview season. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Show <laughs> oh, us God. the trick. Spill the beans. <laughs> so Gabe was talking about how he'd actually researched the school ahead of time. So I was not as on top of it as Gabe was. Well, you had a lot to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of schools. I kind of got yeah, mixed exactly. up between them a little bit. But the, what I would do is the beginning of each interview day, they always talk about their school and brag about their school. And so I would just honestly pay attention to what they like to highlight the most about themselves. And so when the interview actually came around and you got to talk to people from the school, you'd be like, oh, like so-and-so program is so interesting. This is why I wanted to apply here nice. and making it sound like you knew that uh, stuff from before. I gotcha. Yeah. All right. All part of the plan. There you go. I attempted to do that and it did not work actually um i was um, how could that not work yeah it just it just fell flat they were interested in explaining this to me i don't know i was at this school i won't name it and so they like they're uh they don't have like a main academic hospital so you go to like a bunch of different hospitals throughout the city to like do your clerkships and whatnot so i kept asking them like oh is this cool to like go through these five hospitals and they were all like yeah it's cool and then they like would never further elaborate on it so it always just fell flat i didn't have anything to go off of based on what they were telling me so and then i hadn't prepared a backup question so then it was just uncomfortable so definitely have you know like two or three of those in your back pocket it's interesting because it kind of makes me feel like you know, if, if if you're like, oh, do you, you know, what's it like going through these hospitals? Uh-huh. And they're like, it's cool. <laughs> the answer is like, the answer is probably really like, kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't really want to talk about it. Yeah, they all just like spit out the same elevator speech. And I was like, you've all told me the same thing. Is there no, is there nothing else going on here? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I needless to say, I did not end up at that medical school (laughs) that would also just add you don't want to force anything in the interview at the end of the day it's a human interaction and Mm -hmm. so you know just talk to the people that you're talking to if you see a way to have a connection with them about whatever they're whatever they brought up that's awesome Mm -hmm. but don't force it either it's probably good advice yeah yeah Yeah. i feel like the interview is just to make sure you're not like a serial killer like like (laughs) This person is can interact with people and is uh, <laughs> semi-normal, so come on in. Yeah, I would say serial killing is pretty low on our list of priorities for people to, <laughs> Very to true. get into medical school, but, you know. Yeah. 
I mean, you'd be surprised. I've encountered some pretty socially awkward people at interview days. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess one in particular, it was an MMI, and I remember the guy was in front of me, and so we were kind of rotating through the different rooms. And every time we'd get to the next room, he would just burst out the door and, like, pant really hard, and he'd, like, run over to the next room, and he'd, like, I don't know, he'd what? be late. I, he was I, the interviewer? No, 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 no. This oh. is the interviewee. Oh, okay. Did he yeah. get in? I wonder if he got in. I have no idea. I didn't go to that <laughs> like, school. This guy's, so. very true. <laughs> this guy's a go-getter. Yeah, I mean, he was passionate about it, but I don't know what was happening inside those rooms. Wow. <laughs> do, you, so, do you guys, so you mentioned MMI, and I know that's a common mm-hmm. uh, interview process. Multi, if you don't know what MMI is, it's the uh, multiple mini interview process. You're mm-hmm. basically put through a series of, I don't know, like scenarios, basically. You're asked to to discuss a, what you would do in a series of scenarios. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you guys do a lot, a lot of that? Zero. I had none of those. Yeah, me personally. either. Oh. Yeah. Just Joyce. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was only one school out of, I think I interviewed at like seven schools. And so I feel like most schools do traditional interviews for the most part, not thought, okay. necessarily MMIs. I was under the impression it was more common than that. That's Maybe just the schools I interviewed at. Did you like that MMI? It was kind of awkward because they're not really supposed to give you feedback while you're giving your response. And so yeah. you're awkwardly talking about it and they're not even supposed to smile or nod. And so it's like, wow, this is weird. Mm, yeah. And they're not supposed to prompt you at all. So that, I don't know. It's not really a conversation at that point. It's just you explaining what you would do in certain situations. Um, and to add on top of that, the one that the MMI that I had was a fusion MMI. So you would talk about this one scenario for five minutes and then they would ask you a random question about your life, not knowing anything about you. And you'd just have to switch gears completely and then talk about why you want to go into medicine or your strengths and weaknesses Mm. after talking about drug addictions or something. That sounds stressful. Very. Yeah, it was it was interesting. (laughs) Okay. All right. What what resources did you guys look for or consult when you were, you know, thinking about which schools to apply to or. Um, I well, per- I know you guys consulted a map. Basically. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I states does. Drew a 500 mile order. bubble around it. <laughs> yes. This yeah. is what I school. can do. <laughs> no. That was part of it. But um, I just know. circled the whole U.S. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, there's a thing called the MSAR. I'm not sure. What does it stand for? It's Medical, medical school, school admissions so, requirements. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Medical medical school Seems admissions legit. requirements. So yeah. basically, it's a document you have to buy it unless you can get you know unless you know a friend who has access to it. But if you buy that, it tells you like statistics for every medical school's entering class, um, and even in, it gets down to what the schools look for in terms of like your personality and your background. I don't know how helpful it was for me. I did look at it and I did kind of base my my applying off of it, um, but. Beyond that, I did use studentdoctornetwork.net. Yep. Yeah. Um, For me, I know I created a gigantic list of schools, more than 35 originally. I had 50 on there. And then I talked to a friend who applied the previous year, and he tore my list apart, basically cutting out everything that wasn't out-of-state friendly, which were a lot of schools, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, he just told me, he's like, okay, just look at the statistics. A school like Alabama, for example, will have... Oh, 4,000 sure. applicants in-state and they'll take a bunch of them from in-state and they'll only interview maybe like one out-of-state candidate and they're not even going to go there in the end. So um, certain schools like that, I needed to cut from my list that I did not realize at the time, but he definitely helped me out a lot for that. For sure. That's where the MSAR could save you money because it will tell you like how many students a, a school will take f- 
from their own state if they're a public school. Mm -hmm. And so you can kind of, you know, how based off of how competitive you are as an applicant. Yeah, I'd say one thing to be cautious about, though, is a lot of the times people will hold on to that range that they give you for MCAT and GPA. But honestly, med school admissions is all a crapshoot in the end a lot of the times. Um, So like, for example, with Iowa, I didn't think I'd get in. My GPA is like the bottom 10 percent. But like they took me in. So (laughs) we're down the end. Sounds like there's suckers on both sides. (laughs) Little did they know. (laughs) I love it. I was actually able to work around purchasing the MSAR because we had a pre-med academic advisor at my undergraduate institute. Um, so I could go and like talk to her and go, okay, could you look this up for me? And she would look it up for me, which was oh, um, pretty okay. nice. And then I think she had like a network. She was connected with students who'd gone on to med school. So they were able to kind of like relay back to me what worked and what didn't work too. So I'm sh- most schools usually have one. Some are better than others. So maybe <laughs> look, look into that too if you mm. need some help and some guidance. Did you all like your pre-med advisors? Ooh. I actually didn't have one. Oh, so. okay. I had one and... I, no, no, (laughs) not the greatest help, honestly. If anything, like, had I taken that person's advice, I probably, I certainly wouldn't be here right now, to be honest. Well, I think, you know, like, the thing about advice is that you, I mean, you get a lot of it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and at some point you have to, and this is going to happen in med school too, like, Mm -hmm. you're going to get a lot of, like, feedback and a lot of you know, comments from your facilitators and your, and at some point you're going to, you're going to start practicing your exam skills and a, and a physician or a resident is going to say, Hey, you really should, you know, I prefer it if you do it this way. At some point you have to go, am I going to take that advice or not? Mm-hmm. And, you know, for instance, there's, there's plenty of different ways to assess lung function in a physical exam, but you know, maybe that guy does something different. You know, maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe it is a great idea. You know, like you have to you have to take that advice and like fit it into your yeah, exactly. own way of of doing things and thinking about the world. Right. And then, you know, sometimes people exist to uh, show us what not to do. Exactly. <laughs> and to that point, I would say getting into medical school, as Joyce mentioned, is not a one size fits all thing. Mm-hmm. There are certain things you need, like a pretty good GPA and a pretty good MCAT. But beyond that. There are so many different ways that one individual person can get in and what might work for that person could very well not work for, for his best friend who tried doing the same thing. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, along those lines, when I talked to him at the pre-med advisor back freshman or sophomore year of college, she took one look at my GPA and she's like, wow, have you considered other options? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to leave now. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of times. It's it's beyond like you know a profile of of the entering class that that you know you might get. I, I don't. There's not a lot of insight that medical schools offer as to like who they're gonna accept and who mm-hmm. they're not. I mean, we're just looking for the the you know somebody who can who can be an amazing doctor. And in the end, you know, you got to make a judgment. Uh, we have to make a judgment. The med school has yeah. to make a judgment as to what that's going to be. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the number of sort of pigeonhole medical schools and med students mm-hmm. into certain categories, but that might not be representative of what they actually want. So it's really hard. I, I think it's really hard on all sides to figure out. I would say if, you know, you don't fit, quote unquote, mm-hmm. maybe don't worry about that so much. 
Yeah. You know? I definitely took that approach to it. Um, I had some of my other friends who were also pre-med. They kept trying to, like, put themselves in this mold, like, oh, I need to be in pre-med club. I need to shadow mm-hmm. this many hours. I need to go here and do this. Pre-med's and I kind of, I like, I did some shadowing, and I, like, really experienced it. But I also tried to, like, enjoy my undergraduate career and really... Mm-hmm. And if you do things that you actually like when it comes to interview day for medical school, you're actually going to be able to talk about them. Oh, for sure. Because like, like this camp that I worked at for two summers, I had a blast. And I think here at my interview for Iowa, I think I spent 15 out of the whole 25 minutes just talking about my experiences mm-hmm. at this camp and had, and they could just see it in my eyes that I was interested in and I was like engaged with it. And I, there's just like people that come in and they're like, so what did you get out of being in pre-med club? And they're like, I was the treasurer. And they're yeah, like, right. <laughs> Anything else? And they're like, I I counted the money, and then like, <laughs> that's like all they did, and they didn't point. they didn't really get into it, and they get, didn't enjoy it. Yeah, and it's just like you need to do something that you enjoy, and then relate that back to medicine, and right. somehow, and you're gonna find that you have so much more fun, and it's gonna be so much easier come interview day to yeah. like chat about anything along those lines. Yeah, I think it's a great point about you know passion it, because. You know, you put stuff on your med school application and you when you do that, you're going to have to be prepared to talk about mm-hmm. those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you can't talk about those things in a way that's genuine and exciting, mm-hmm. it, you know, shows that you are excited to do it and mm-hmm. that you learn things from it. It's going to be kind of yeah not worth having had on your application. Yeah, mm-hmm. very true. So. I would say that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves when pre-meds are like, oh, yeah, I'll do research just for the med school app. Yeah. Because that ends up right. being that the professors end up hating those students because they're yep. not actually passionate about the research. <laughs> and so when I come along, I always like kept it on the down low. I'm like, I'm not actually pre-med, but I was pre-med. Um, Liar! <laughs> California is Get weird. Out. I know. Yeah. Oh, no, bro. I'm not pre-med. I'm, I'm a real researcher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was a chemical biology major, and so that circle was very much research-based. So the bulk of my classmates ended up going and doing... Um, chemistry PhDs and so they looked at me and they're like oh why don't you become a real doctor and get a PhD that was kind of the running joke around that's great yeah so that's why I'd always keep it on the down low that I was pre-med because I actually really like chemistry as well so I kind of did a little mix of both but (laughs) yeah I know yeah so I mean basically what you're saying is you know if if your passion aligns with what Mm -hmm. schools want great I mean there are things that you have to do like you have to have some sort of clinical yeah yeah uh, experience, you know, yeah. whether that's shattering or the, whether you're an EMT, whether you are a scribe, you, you scribe mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, you know, if you volunteered, mm-hmm. um, you know, fantastic. Yeah. Um, that's important. But, you know, don't do things just to try not to do things just to check those boxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember for one of my interviews when we they first sat all of us down. Um, the dean of the school goes up to us and he just goes, yeah, on paper, you all look the same, just straight up and told that wow. to everyone. So that's why, that, and then he kind of followed it up with, that's why the interview is here to kind of allow you to shine through a little bit more and let you stand out um, so we can see your personality, not just via on paper. Um, were there things that happened to you during your interviews that you'd consider high and low points? During the whole cycle? Like yeah. The so getting the interview, definitely a high point. Yeah. Uh, waiting for the interview is like a mid-valley because you're still kind of confident. <laughs> After the interview, uh, like probably the biggest valley of my life. <laughs> oh, <laughs> waiting, God. Waiting to hear back. Uh, Patience is so real. Yeah. It's impossible, though. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it sucks when schools are like, oh yeah, we'll get back to you in two weeks. And it's like four months yeah. later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I'll be honest, I actually was a med school reject for that. You know, my, the gap year I took wasn't by choice. I'll be honest. It was, no, I that's had to take a gap year. Yeah. And so that was a that was a big valley. That was yeah. a big valley, guys. Big yeah. valley. Well, you made it. Yes, so. I am. Well, and and I've heard the story many times from many students on the show before. I mean, this is not. You know, the thing people have to remember about rejection when it comes to med school application is that it's not, a, it's not like a scarlet A. Or, <laughs> yeah. <you> know, like, <laughs> Most people do get rejected. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, the numbers say that, yeah. Yeah. you know, that's true. And there's just not enough spots for everybody. I mm -hmm. would say, you know, try again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, see if there's anything that you need to fix, but, you know. Do it again. Mm -hmm. It's only money. I think going back to passion. <laughs> a lot of money. Huh? If, you, if you really care about it and you really want to be a doctor and you didn't get in the first time and you go back, I think that shows a lot of passion. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It shows that you're really dedicated to it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've even had people who, who didn't get in and then were like, okay, well, I'll call the, I'll, I'll call the admissions office and, and see what they have to say. And the admissions mm -hmm. office was like, you know, you really... We really should have given you an interview based on what I'm seeing right now. So you yeah, don't you don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know you never know, uh, particularly why you weren't chosen. Maybe it was just you know shitty luck. Yeah, that can happen. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So do your families at this point? <laughs> do you realize what it is you've gotten yourself into? I mean. This is, uh, this is, yes, medical school is hard work. You knew that right. coming in, right? Right. What? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh no. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I've heard, I've heard from people before, like, families get bent out of shape because you can't come to the reunion, uh, because you have a, you have to study. Um, do they, did, did you prepare them for this? Did you prepare yourselves for this? <laughs> so I'll just, um, start. I, my, my, my mom has worked at a hospital for my entire life. So she knows pretty well about how, you know, difficult and time consuming the whole thing is. Mm -hmm. My dad, you know, listens to my mom. So I think <laughs> see, Smart man. he doesn't, he doesn't quite get it, but you know, he still, he just, you know, he tries talking to me all the time, which I love, but you know, I just don't always have time for it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my brother went to law school, so he has sort of a similar experience in some ways. So they they get it. Okay, I think they get it. Uh, I had an interesting ex experience with that when I first got in. You know, you're telling all your family that you got in, and I told a, one set of my grandparents, and they're like, "Oh, that's nice." <laughs> and then I think I had to further explain to them a little bit that you can't just like go to medical school. They just I think they assumed that everybody got in there quite a <laughs> yeah, bit older. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, good um, for you, little Eric. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of had to explain to them more, and then I like kept going and I was like yeah we'll have all these exams every two weeks and they were just they they were bug eyed they couldn't <laughs> believe that this was um, happening to us and that we had to go through this um, which is kind of it is insane in a way yeah but. yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, I know. So my grandparents actually live in Egypt. I'm Egyptian. Oh, so cool. um, cool. I was in Egypt this past summer and I was talking to my both my grandparents and I was super excited and telling them all about Iowa and mm -hmm. medical school in general. And my grandma just kind of stops for a second. You could see her counting <laughs> in her like in the back of her mind, like how many just how many years it would take. So then she replies, she goes, oh, Joyce, you know, 
you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Maybe a nice, handsome young lad will come swoop you away on a oh, nice right. horse oh, no. and take you away from this whole medicine thing. And I was like, oh, or maybe this handsome young lad can take me to the hospital and work every day. And so, grandma. yeah, I just got to. <laughs> First of all, grandma, men don't ride horses. Yeah. I'll stop you there, grandma. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My grandpa liked that response. So he's, he's a little bit more like pushing me towards the sciences. He's really excited about it. My grandma's just, she wants great grandkids. All I'll right. be honest. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I think we know where grandma's coming from. Yeah. My w- parents, uh, they have no idea what I've gotten myself into. <laughs> uh, they're they're very blue collar. Uh, so when I tell them like, oh, I have an exam, they're like, oh, that's great. Well, then the weekend after you can come home and hang out with us. Like, no, I can't. <laughs> I don't want to, but um, that, to that point, it's important to take those opportunities, right? You can't skip out on everything because mm-hmm. then... I, yeah, that's not sustainable. Yeah. And you lose relationships like that. Yeah. It's, it's not really human either. No, know? it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's true. In fact, you got to pull these things closer to you. Um, I find, you know, as close as you can because, and you have to make a special effort, you know, yeah. to do it now. You know, before it was easy, you had time. Yep. Um, so that, yeah, it takes more, it takes more work, but it's important. Mm-hmm. What can, what do you think? So, from your perspective of having finished the interview process, gotten in, all that kind of stuff, what would you like medical schools to do differently about the process of applying, interviewing, acceptance? You know, were there things that you were like, I hate that? Right. <laughs> what I would say is that you, you can't get rid of the stress part of it because at the end of the day, it is you trying to sell yourself to a school. Mm-hmm. And so no matter what a school does to make that experience better, that stress part's going to be there and you just got to be able to handle it and perform that perform, just perform, you know, but uh, beyond that, uh, the waiting game is really awful. I love the Carver college of medicine, but you have to wait a long time. Most people do to uh, hear back, True. but that's partly because they're trying to, you know, they're not just worried about you. They're trying to get their class together too. So yeah, the process is brutal for the applicant. I don't know how you'd change it though. Yeah, I think the cost really sucks too. Oh, oh yeah, like, yeah. At for example, Mayo Clinic, there's no secondary. You just send them one hundred and twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is my money going to? Mm, yeah. So yeah. wait a minute. What do you mean? You you pay? That's true. What's the? What are you paying for? That, Nobody knows. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> <laughs> You're paying for the opportunity to have your application read. Basically. And they don't even they don't even let you pay right away. They're like. They look at your application and they say, oh, you're worthy to give us your money. Now pay us $120 and we'll look a little deeper. Yeah. That part does suck. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. All right. What else? Anything? You did a lot of traveling. I mean, mm-hmm. I always wonder, uh, you know, couldn't we do some of these things? interviews remotely somehow I don't know like yeah. maybe that's a terrible idea <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some value in actually meeting people in person yeah. and being able to see the school as well but in terms of finances especially flying out from California trying to get to the Midwest and the East Coast um, that makes it a little bit more difficult and a lot more expensive and I know certain schools they would tell you about the interview which is awesome but then they'd be like okay and show up in exactly two weeks so that makes it even more expensive trying to book that ticket and figuring out because I was taking classes at the time I was still an undergrad. 
um, trying to sort out exam schedule and papers and everything. I remember submitting multiple problem sets while on the flights and whatnot. Oh, God. Um, just because they didn't really have any flexibility. So if they actually gave more flexibility in terms of picking dates, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Iowa gave some flexibility, so I was able to stack a couple of my interviews so that I was in the Midwest at the same time. So the flight costs were decreased and I didn't have to keep flying in and out of California. So that was really nice. Hmm. Okay. Flexible. Flexible scheduling would mm-hmm. be cool. That would be fantastic. Got it. Well, I, I, thank you guys for, you know, sharing all this with me. Uh, uh, I'm glad I'm not applying to medical school. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll never do that. <laughs> um, I do have, we, we got some listener uh, feedback and questions and things. So Sweet. I would like to spend some time on that. Here's Ryan who left us a voicemail. Uh, he's among a group at the University of Pennsylvania doing some interesting things. Let's uh, let's hear Ryan. Hey guys, my name is Ryan O'Keefe. I'm a second year med student at the University of Pennsylvania. I've been a fan of the pod for a while and really enjoyed listening to your guys' antics. And it's cool to hear from so many different students over time. I'm part of a group at Penn called HealthX, which focuses on showing students the opportunities in medical management, entrepreneurship, technology, among a few other things. And based on hearing how much fun you guys were having every week, one of our new initiatives is actually a podcast that we just launched a few days ago. Mm, It's called the Penn Health X Podcast, and we've already got six episodes up for your listening enjoyment. (laughs) I'm really excited that we're joining the med student podcasting community, which is, you know, a pretty special bunch. Um, But I'm I'm really passionate about this stuff, and I saw that the Carver College has a similar group called uh, Tech Biz Paul, and it also offers opportunities to do dual degrees like MDMPH, MDMBA, and I'd really like to hear in the future you guys talk a little bit about more about those opportunities because um, there's so much you can do kind of outside of just strictly clinical practice, um, both in, as a student and in your future career. And I'm wondering, do you guys feel that students at Carver are kind of interested in those things? Hmm. If so, I'd really appreciate you guys' help. You can share it on the pod or talk about it with your fellow students. Thanks so much. Can't wait to hear more episodes. Peace. Thanks for calling, Ryan. Um, yeah, I... So from my lowly perspective um, in medical education, I feel like I have seen more diverse ideas about what can be done in with an MD mm-hmm. than clinical medicine. I mean, you know, it used to be, I feel like it was, it was, you know, much more, you know, like you come to med school to become a clinical physician. Right. Um, but I see more emphasis lately on the technical side, the business side, the policy side. That's what Tech Biz Paul stands for. I don't know if you know that. Um, and then, so we have a student group devoted to Tech Biz Paul. And we also have a distinction track for those who want to know more about the business of medicine. It's called the um, Healthcare Management Delivery Science Track. Um, and it sounds like. Uh, Penn is doing uh, some good work in in that area too. So, the, and and oh, it, of course, I need to mention the MD MBA and the MD MPH. Sounds like uh, you, Gabe, were interested. Yeah. So I'm actually that's how I applied to Iowa mm-hmm. and every other school that had that program. Mm-hmm. So I I feel you, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Um. So yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think uh, I will assemble a group of people to talk about that on the show at some point in the near future. And uh, I do like the fact that there's an ongoing sort of diversification of ideas on what somebody with an MD can accomplish. So we need doctors, but we also need people to lead um, in healthcare. 
Right. I think to that point, government in terms of making policies that impact healthcare, I don't, I don't think enough physicians are a part of that discussion. And when you just have an MD, you can still get involved with that discussion, but you probably have less of an opportunity because you haven't really exposed yourself to those other avenues. And so MPH, MBA, those things can help you sort of have a hand in shaping the future of healthcare. It's kind of a dream for me would be to work as a doctor for 15, 20 years, and then hopefully impact the state of Iowa somehow in terms of healthcare policy. Do it. That would be awesome. (laughs) We don't have enough physicians in that role. And what happens is physicians lose, lose leverage in terms of things that happen with healthcare, but more importantly than just my bubble, it, it can hurt patients because physicians are, you know, they know a lot about taking care of people. So, yeah, decisions get made without information or exactly. with information other than that, which is imperfect information, science and informed by actual evidence. Um, so, yeah, Ryan, we'll definitely set up a show talking about these opportunities. Check that out in the hopefully near future. Um, and then we got a call from Michelle. Michelle wrote in just this morning, just as I was preparing for the show. Let's listen to what Michelle has to say about her favorite topic. I've been listening to your podcast for a while and would love if you did an episode on students who have dogs in medical school. Hmm. I have a two-year-old husky and have figured out how to be a responsible dog parent to him while in undergrad. I take him to doggy daycare and make sure he gets plenty of exercise, even though we live in an apartment. But I am worried about this when I attend medical school in the future. Any insight from students who have dogs would be great. Thanks so much for your podcast. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) How can you afford doggy daycare? That's exactly. I have a a couple questions. (laughs) Can we call her up? (laughs) (laughs) What's your secret to having money? (laughs) As someone who's barely keeping my head afloat without the added stress of taking care of a husky, which is a tough dog to take care of, I know that because I lived with one for two years. Mm -hmm. Um, Man. That's going to be tough to take care of a dog with doggy daycare, especially if it's a husky in med school, but doable. <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually moving out of my current apartment so I can get a dog, hopefully two, probably two. Um, in my opinion, the stress of taking care of a dog vastly outweighs oh, not having a dog. And that's obviously wait, wait, wait. I'm wait, the stress of taking care of a dog. <laughs> the stress. Oh, yeah, you said that backwards. Oh, having thank you. Having a dog outweighs the stress of taking care of a dog. <laughs> right, right. There we go. Sorry. That's okay. Just took an exam this morning. Um, but yeah, I think having a dog is um is it's uh like a relief, you know, going home. I, I sometimes go home after class and like oh, I'm gonna relax and I pull out my phone and I look at like stupid social media and it's like this isn't relaxing. You know, if I came home and I had a dog I could take for a walk or I could play with, uh, I think it'd be a lot more fun than uh, um, going home and just, you know, dreading more schoolwork. But you're not worried about the the time commitment or the right. demands of taking care. I mean, are you going to have, what kind of dog are you interested in? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I might rescue one. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I have no idea. Um, but I, yes, it's time consuming, but... And I, I've thought about this in my head. What, when is the best time to get a dog now in the next eight, nine years? Like none, there isn't a good time. So why not do it now and just learn how to manage it? And then going forward into residency and 
uh, M3 and M4, and uh, the more stressful years, like I'll ha- I'll be able to manage it better. Mm-hmm. I uh, have never had a pet. Uh, I don't understand. Pet we don't people. get you. <laughs> I know exactly. It's fine. I just you know like part of you know what every t- every time I think oh my children should have a pet. I think, yes, but then you will have to <laughs> sweep the floor more often and buy the food and, you know, there's going to be poop involved. Um, <laughs> it's true. But a lot of people don't give a crap about that. You know, like, they're just like, yeah, that's that's where the having a pet yeah. is. So. But uh, med students, lots of med students have pets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tons of med students here have pets. This is doable. Mm-hmm. Um with, I just don't know if I could do it. <laughs> I honestly think Husky makes it a little harder. It is doable, but Huskies are, that's a difficult dog training wise. Yeah. But so you were mentioning adopting possibly. That's true. Yeah. What about old versus young? Would you want a younger dog or like, have you weighed that in your mind? That's a very good question that I have not weighed. And I probably will when I go to adopt a dog. Um, Did you get a dog that like, like is almost dead. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> That's so sad. Keep, it's like recycled. Dark humor. Them. Yeah. Well, then by the time you know you get to you know your M three year, maybe it'll be gone. Oh Why man. Did you say that? I think we agree. Dave shouldn't have a pet. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, maybe you should rescue the dog from Dave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm full of good ideas. That's a great goal. Take, yeah. take notes. Yeah. So I actually live in a medical school or medical student fraternity. And so a couple of us have been trying to convince the people in charge of the house to get a dog, but they're all worried that we'll, we will all neglect it and it won't get fed and it will be very sad, but we're still working on it. It's work in progress. All right. Sort of a service dog for <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mental right. health dog for the whole fraternity. I mean, yeah, there's like 25 of us, so it would get a lot of love, but also during exam season, probably a little bit of neglect as well, which would be sad. I did live with a golden retriever for a, uh, that was belonged to a roommate, and I loved Sully the dog. I've, I've said this on the show before, because I've been doing this for a long time, and I'm, <laughs> I've mentioned Sully before. <laughs> Sully's gone now, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. God rest his soul, because he's a very good dog. <laughs> Peed when he got excited. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, so, yes, Michelle, I have been there. You're not the only one clamoring for this show, because uh, we've been talking about it for a long time, and because I don't understand pets and pet owners, I've been like, well, okay. <laughs> but clearly, we got to do it. It's important. Right? Yeah. Correct. Absolutely. All right. Very good. Well, I, I think uh, we need to end this show. Ooh. Yeah. Come I know. On, Dave. <laughs> I know. I got to go back to, I, I have to go back to the drudgery of um, medical student administration <laughs> tasks. Bye. But guys, uh, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Mm-hmm. Thank yep. you. Thank you for having me. And thank you listeners for making us a part of your week. If you like what you heard today. You can talk about it or just about anything else you like on our Facebook group, The Shortcoats Student Lounge. Use it as a place to share questions with us, ideas, resources, recommendation, uh, memes. That's fine. If you don't like what you heard today, send your comments tucked into a box of Knipschilt Chocolatier's Madeline Truffles so that it's rich, <laughs> cream infused with vanilla pods and Italian truffle oil. Fold it into the ganache for 24 hours. We'll take a little of the sting out of it. If you've had a suggestion for something that we should talk about or seek barely informed sleep adult advice, you can send those things to the shortcodes at gmail.com or leave us a message at 347 short CT, just like Brian and Michelle did. Thanks, guys. 
The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music was by Dr. Vox, and our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week. 